0: Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. John looked at me this afternoon. I said, well, son, I gotta leave in a little bit. He goes, why? It's Wednesday Oh, it's Wednesday again. It happens so quickly. Amen. Oh me. Because the next thing you know, it's Saturday night and then it's Sunday evening. and it's what somebody put on uh, somewhere they'd said it was nine months till Christmas? No, less than nine months Is it nine months till Christmas? Or eight? Like it's really getting around here. I'm already getting my winter clothes pulled out. I'm going to go ahead and. I'm gonna get ahead of the swing. Eight months, yes. Seven. See, it's just hey, you know what? Just take it like this. Uh, there was the song by Kansas, which was made after the Bible, anyways. There was a Christian that was one of the people in the group Kansas. What does the Bible? What does the Bible say? And what did the word the words of that song that Kansas sang? Everything is dust in the wind dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Actually, we're not even dust in the wind. The Bible says we are but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. And as I sit back and watch the years chisel by, the decades like sheets of paper just going off into oblivion, more amazing how you cannot grasp it when you're young. I remember when I was a kid, a school year felt like 10 years. Now, the school year for the kids, I go, wait a second. They should be going all summer. What's wrong? They just started. Amen? It doesn't make sense how fast. And I know people say it gets faster. But, you know, when you think about end time uh, as far as our life and the culmination of our life, we're going to have it one day. One day you're going to end whether you want to or not. I had a conversation with someone today And I said, you know, your days have been ordained before the foundations of the world. And uh, they were concerned about something to do with with end-of-life issues. And I just said, you know, we can't leave a moment before it's time. When it's our time, it's time. And the greatest thing in the world is, is what a comfort that is. And it doesn't matter if you're 21 years old, or you're 65 years old, or you're 30 years old, or you're 9 years old. There is nothing that is assured tonight. There is one thing that is, though, and that is though there's no assurance of life tonight. There is the assurance of life everlasting in Christ. So I hope you have your Bibles tonight. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> I'm going to share a message, God led in a heart, titled, You Love Them How Much? And tonight deals with a tough subject with relation to our statement of love. You know, we love people we love, but do you love the Lord? And in relation to your love for the Lord, what does your love for humankind look like? And there is a proper way for that to be seen, a proper way to be understood, and a proper way to be lived out. And we need to remember that these people are going to fail you. You say, well, my husband, my wife, they'd never fail you. Let me look at you and save you a whole lot of time right now. You want to bet? I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been married. Your spouse can fail you, and most likely they will. But I'll tell you who never will, and that is the Lord. And by the way, it's it's improper for you to put a perspective on and an expectation on your spouse that they can't fail you. No, they would never fail me. They love me so much. Wanna bet? We are flawed. What does the scripture say? The human heart is what? Deceitfully wicked above who? All else. So don't tell me that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you'd never let your spouse down. I'd let everybody know we are made by the dust of Adam. We are flawed, we are fallible, and it's only by God's grace that you and I will not have a catastrophic train wreck tonight in any respect. Uh, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and we need to stay desperate for the Lord because when we realize that and we realize that the only the love that we should have for God is the thing that gives us the ability to love that person. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And then what is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. That really even falls into the spouse and the family category because God always has to be First. And a lot of people see that as, oh yeah, that's my neighbor next door. No, that's talking about the next station of love after loving the Lord your God with all your heart. It doesn't say love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Your wife, uh, husband, family, and then your neighbor as yourself. You see what I'm going? That scripture says, here's your love for God. Everything else starts right here. If your family's on that platform, that's wonderful. If your wife, husband, but your wife or husband better be on this platform because if not, if you do this, you've got some major tough days ahead, days that you most likely will battle despairing. Why? Because you've put an expectation on your spouse that God never intended for you to. You have put an expectation on them for the peace that you have and the joy that you have because what? Your life is tied up in that of your spouse. Anybody ever remember another scriptural thing where they say their lives were tied up in that with the little boy? They said their lives were intertwined. If something happens to him, he'll die. Has to do with a story that came from Egypt. Ooh, a little trivia. Uh, The youngest son of Rachel. Benjamin. Church. Time for a little Bible trivia. Benjamin, remember when... The dear father, they says, hey, we've got to take him to Egypt. He wants to get this, this, this pharaoh wants, to, wants us to, to take him to Egypt. Remember what uh, Simeon said? Was it Simeon or Reuben, one of them? Remember what he says? To Joseph, not knowing it's Joseph, the life of our father is tied up in the life of him. If something happens to him, he will be brought down to death. He also told the kids that. Told him the same thing. Said if something happens to him, my bald head will go down to death, basically. What he was saying is this would kill me because my life is intertwined. Our lives are not supposed to be that way with anyone. Now, do we, are we thankful for the blessing of people that God's blessed us with? Are you thankful for your kids? You better be. Be thankful for them because they're gifts on temporary loan. First of all, they're not your kids. They're God's. And they're on temporary loan to you. So they're not your children. They're they're children that God has blessed you with for a period of time. No longer. You know what's going to happen one day? You, I, or the children will breathe the last breath. Sometimes they do before we do. Not Not the way we think it should be, do we? But it's not ours to say, is it? It's God's. So we've got to trust God's plan. We've got to trust God's purpose. But tonight, let's look at this in the perspective of what love should be. And how much do you love them? And we'll look. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37-39. through 39. And if you're able physically, let's stand out of reverence tonight for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> the one who loves a father or a mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. And anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. Lord, speak to your word tonight as only you can. God, you are the source of all truth, all wisdom, all perfection, all growth, all blessing. God, all knowledge. Lord, we commit it to you. Hide me as only you can, Father, behind the cross, so that the Spirit of the living Savior of all creation, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, might speak in hearts, Lord, as only you can tonight. We ask this in Jesus' precious, righteous, and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 37 again. So the one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Stop there just a second. First thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Love for no one should ever exceed our love for the Lord. And I don't even think it should match it. I'll just add that in there. Your love for humanity cannot in any way match or exceed your love for God. Why? Because remember, not only are we finite, but people fail you. Your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, they didn't lay down their life and die for you. I'm sorry. Your mom might say, oh, it about killed me having you. All right, that sounds great in theory, but no, it didn't. They're alive. They might have had complications, but your mother didn't give her life to have you. And in the unique cases, I think that's wonderful. And we know one of those that happened in in the birthing of who? Benjamin, thank you. Good. They're on it now. Okay, you just won. Did you just say it? Yeah. There are unique circumstances where that happens, but for the most part, you may feel like you're going to die. Amen? I've been in enough births in my life, especially in clinicals, where, yep, you think you're going to die, but you're not going to die. It's just the process of birth, and it gives way to feelings of elation as the distant memory of the suffering pales in comparison to that bundle of joy, right? But your love for that person, remember this, should in no way match your love for God. And I'm going to, need to encourage you at the outset of this tonight to begin reflecting on this, if it may be. If you would think that it might, I would challenge you tonight to begin to pray that God would change something. And I'm going to tell you why. Let me assure you of something tonight. And I'm t- I, want, I want to be as dead serious as you'll ever hear me be. Don't make God take your God from you. You hear what I said? I don't care how long you've been married. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how much you love your kids. You make God take your God from you, and I promise you, you will be sorry. Because God deserves to be number one. In who? In what? In our life, in our homes, our minds, in our families. You think God won't take your God from you? You got another thing coming. Because I know what scripture says. God cannot be mocked. He will not be mocked. He has never been, nor ever will be. So, you can value and see the things in the proper perspective that God has blessed us to have them. Now, does that mean that we take them for granted, or we, we uh, deliberately ignore our families so that we don't take it? No, that doesn't mean that at all. But what you should recognize is, hey, When the spouse wants to sit and say, you know what, let's not read today so we can go out and go spend time. Oh, we only get Sundays, we only get Wednesdays, we only get Mondays or whatever. We don't go to Bible study, I don't go to church, we don't go to this because it's our only day to fellowship together. You can go on and stick them up there on the God pedestal, but I promise you, you will learn a lesson that I assure you, you will not enjoy learning. And it might be at the expense that you do not want to pay at that time just like a number of years, many years ago, probably 10 or more years ago now, A man called me one day and he had been in a a ministry and had submitted himself to an addiction ministry. And in this ministry, you sign a covenant, a covenant vow before God. When you go into it, that you're going to finish this program. So a few weeks into this program, this person calls me up and says, Hey, God told me I can come home. I'm going to come home. I said, "Uh, what do you mean? You made a vow before God, let your yes be yes, your no be no, anything other than that is from Satan. So God couldn't have told you that, so you're listening to the devil, because God doesn't change his mind, and I assure you that God's not in the midst of your drug addiction deliverance ministry going to say, you're good now, you can go home. I know that's not of the Lord. I know categorically, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's not from God. And I said, let me just assure you, if you decide to do this, there are going to be ramifications that are going to be far-reaching greater than you could ever imagine. I said, there's no telling what could happen to anybody. Just remember this. All bets are off when you do this. For you, your children, your family, your friends, and anybody else associated with you, I want you to recognize that before you do this. I've taken what God sent me before, and I can take it again. All right, brother. More power to you. I hate it but you make your bed, you make your choices, and you have to lay in them. Less than three weeks later, that person was on the phone crying like a three-year-old child saying they could not take it. You don't play with God. Not only do you not play with God, when His Word says right there, the one who loves a mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter wonder why. Because the Supreme Lordship of Christ always means that He is number one on the throne of the heart. Do you know that you can't even love your spouse unless you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength? Do you realize that? So if your wife, or let's just both, husband, your wife, wife, husband, if they'd say, you know what, I love you more than God, reach over and smack them, plum just plant one right on the side of their jaw, hard. I mean flat, nail them. I'm not telling them to do that, you're gonna get me in jail. But proverbially do that. You know why? Because what you're doing by saying is don't you remove the ability to love me the way I have been created and deserve to be loved. Don't you hinder the ability for me to be loved perfectly as God has commanded you to love me. So if you try to take this love that you think you have for me and remove the one that gives you the ability to love me like I have been created to be loved, I'm being sold short, and you're not doing that. But see, in the human perspective, remember, I grew up in the 80s. I grew up at the pinnacle of love songs in the secular world. I mean, you listen to those songs. I can still remember them word for word. Oh, it's all about love. It, it, it feels. It's all about feelings. It's feeling, feeling. Right? Remember Van Halen, you know? If it's love, you know it's love. And they just go on and on and on. It's just harp on and on and on. Then you get November rain, right? Oh, they're all in love. And the next thing you know, they, they're all out of love. And they broke up. And it's just terrible conundrums. Beautiful song. Great lyrical score. I think one of the greatest musical scores in history is in that song. I don't even have to hear the words to it. It's such an amazing song. The, the 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 music is phenomenal, but you know what? The content's terrible because it's not love. And see, remember? Let's mix a little Whitney Houston, nineteen eighty three, I think ish, four ish. Remember that? The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself, it is the greatest love of all. If by chance that special place that you've been dreaming of leads you to a lonely place, find your strength in love. Remember, she just characterized what love was, loving yourself. So if you find yourself at a lonely place, you find yourself loving yourself, and that's the chief pinnacle of what my generation was taught. So now do you want to talk about love? Love is not what the world says. It's a feeling, you know, all oh, these two people see the kids, the boy and girl, oh my gosh, I'm in love. That's all well. it's beautiful. That's not love. That's called lust. That has nothing to do with love. That has to do with initial attraction. It is nothing. That's why, by the way, I wish we could do the Greek study tonight and get into the whole entire picture of love, right? and the eros love and right all of that there's agapao and got all these different type of loves that are expressed in the greek which are not expressed and and it drives me crazy and the english language sells itself short amen those of you with a little cultural understanding i heard an amen from the rest of you don't know what i'm talking about but if you did you'd say amen because the american language the english language really destroys the ability to fully understand love When we say, if I come up to you, Brother Ron, and give you a hug say, I love you, does that mean I want to give you a kiss? No, you know that, exactly. But see, when I say I love you, it's not like in the other languages where you can define the type of love that I'm saying. Now, you understand as brothers in Christ, it's it's inferred. You know what inferred means? It means it's assumed. It is when I come up and say, I love you, I'm saying, I'm not saying agapao, which is what Peter said before he arrogantly made the statement, I'll go with you to death. He was saying, Agapao, I'm willing to die for you. You're the best. You're my master, and I will die with you. Well, he couldn't drink that cup. Remember, Jesus responds to him and says, hey, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And long story short, Peter was not able to Agapao love. That's what I'm, I'm not saying that when I say that to Brother Ronner. I say that to any of you. I'm saying phileo, it's a phileo love. It's a love that has bounds because you can't love in that respect, we can't do that. And, and most assuredly, it's not eros, we know that, right? Because that's the, what, the, the love between husband and wife. But see, the love that we should have for God should be supreme, it should be un numero uno, it should be preeminent, number one. It should exceed any love that we have for any person ever have or ever would. Recognizing though, this is what's interesting, Recognizing that without that being present, you can never love the next ones on that rung the way that they deserve to be loved. See, we know that love is of God. So until we love God above all, we can't even love that person you love next in line the way they deserve to be. That's what's so wild is because our culture and even many quote-unquote believers have gotten this skewed, what's happened is, is they have found themselves believing that they've reached the pinnacle of love and this love for their spouse. They would say, well, I love God, yeah, but I mean, my spouse I really love, realizing that they're robbing themselves because when the enemy has allowed us to get those flipped, what happens is, is it actually lessens the ability we have to love that person. It lessens it because love is of God. So when the proper perspective is not in play, God cannot and, ready, will not give us the power, the ability, and the strength to love them as they deserve to so they're being cheated by what? Your good intentions, which are no intentions at all. Remember, there's no right way ever to do, there's never. Uh, there's a wrong way to do the right thing. The right thing is to love the Lord, love your spouse, but there is a wrong way to do that. And it's out of the proper perspective. Very, very important. Love for no one should ever exceed our love for the Lord. Think about those things, those first two especially, mothers, fathers, right? We love your parents, right? You love them. Everybody loves their parents. But you better keep in mind, be out of a doubt, your mother and father can never be loved, kids, more than you love God. And the one who loves a son or daughter, that's another big one for you parents, especially you mama bears. huh? My baby, Hey, got my baby. I'm going to tear the house down. You better love God more than you love that baby. Hey, by the way, why aren't you as fervent for your God as you are for your kid? How about that? I'll tear the house down. I'll chew a hole through a tire. You won't get up and pick up your Bible to be the mother or father you need to be. But you'll go to hell and back for your kid, you say. Word for word, I've heard. Huh. You know what that is? That's selfish self-arrogance and pride and an improper skewing of the balance. You know, when you hear somebody, we don't spank, I just, I just think it's not... You go, You keep doing it. You don't have to. Don't worry. The TDOC, you know what TDOC is, right? Tennessee Department of Corrections. They will be glad to step in and do the. By the way, it is a horrific environment in state prison. It is. Horrid! If I be, I'd have to tell the kids to leave the room, if I explained to you tonight what happens in those places, you want your kid to go? Oh no, I, they're not. That won't happen that way. I'm teaching them to just deal with their emotions. Yes, you go ahead and keep doing it. You keep following those models from what you think's right, because remember, you're right anyways. It's not God's word. God's word is just a suggestion. You don't have to teach your kids morals. You don't have to make them live under a standard in your house because you just want to let them live and let live. You go ahead and keep doing it. You know why? You're going to find the just reward for your actions. You're going to find out the standing contradiction with God and what God's word explicitly says in training. What does the Bible say? Train up a child, church, in the way they should go. It's not a suggestion. Watching in Murfreesboro today, watching the interaction between children walking out of school on the way back from the hospital is astounded. I sat and I said, this is the manifestation, the greatest understanding of it, of children not being raised. It's astounding what I'm watching happen in our culture right now. You know what? Doesn't change the price of tea in my realm. I go home. Those people aren't going to be down there at Richmond Cemetery Road. I'll protect and I'll deal with my environment. But I'm telling you something, church, in these, these neighborhoods, and these cities... They've got disasters unfurling. I talk to the teachers and other people who've had children, or not only just had them, but others who have family members in schools and hear the stories about what's occurring in school systems right now. I can't even fathom what it would be like to go to the school that I went to, Mark, uh, Howard Drive Elementary School in Miami, Florida now, and and go send your kid to school down there in Miami. Imagine, I can't even, I can't fathom sending my kid to Murfreesboro much less for the first kindergarten or first grade to a Bedford County school, at best, I can't even imagine what happens. Put them on the bus. Yeah. We can't do what we want to do and expect an outcome that's going to be anything other than what the promise in God's Word says. Ready? It's the promise of what, not not what I say, not what I think, You're just a little overboard. I don't like, I don't care. You you go for it. You can have all you want to have. But I know one thing. There is the law of harvest that applies to every single instance on the face of the earth in time and history. What you sow, you will reap. You don't have to like what God, you don't have to like that the Bible says discipline your child with a rod. You don't have to like it. You don't have to do it. You don't. You don't, have to, you don't have to make your child say, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yeah. No, you don't have to do They'll do it to me. <laughs> I promise you they will. Because I'll make them, whether you do it or not. I'm going to make people, they're gonna, I'm gonna, I want children to understand what respect is in a culture. And respecting a God, think about it. How do we go to God? We don't go, hey, God, what you up to? No, what does the Bible explicitly say about approaching God's throne? How do we do that? In Jesus' name. What do we do that? We do it reverently, don't we? So we should speak to authority in our lives. How? How? Reverently, right. When a policeman comes up to your car, do you say, hey, what's up, man? No, what do you say? Officer, right? Hello, officer, can I help you? Oh, I didn't know I was doing 96 miles an hour in a 30. Uh, you need my license? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What do I? I still. Yes, sir. Some of you older senior saints have tried to get me not to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, you've had sometimes miss so-and-so. But I was taught respect. But see, what you do is you understand the structure of order. What is God? A God of what? A God of order. So therefore, when we teach our children respect for authority and respect in general for those around you, what are you teaching them? A worldly principle? No. You're teaching them a theological, biblical principle. You are showing them that they should value others. Why? They're created in the image of God. But in my home, before they have the ability to adopt that, when they leave home one day, they don't have to. But what we're teaching them is a structure with which they value others, but they respect others. Does that mean that you have to like them? No. You, you, that's between you and the Lord. You should love Your neighbor as yourself, and you should love and respect people, but do you do it because they deserve it? No, you do it because it's the right thing to do. When my child says, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, they're doing that because I'm wanting to train them that we have a God that is a God of order. He's a God of order, and the love that they have for that God demands that they recognize that you don't go into God's presence how you want to either. The same way that the respect, what does the Bible even talk about respecting your elders? Anybody know? Do you know that there's one promise in the Bible that gives you a length of days promise? What is that? Honor your father and mother that your days may be. I wonder why God does that. It shows the significance and the importance of honoring those that are in authority over us. What does the scripture also say? There's no authority but that which God has instituted. When we rebel against it, we rebel against who? Oh, I didn't think about that. I don't like my boss because they're a jerk. So I don't have to be nice to them because it's not a Bible thing. That doesn't have anything. Yes, it is because the Bible says it. There's no authority but that which God's instituted. So therefore, it's so important for us, church, to recognize God's order is literally screaming in all of His creation. Tonight. God is not a God of disorder, is He? Exactly. What time's the sun going down? I didn't look this afternoon, but it's going to go down at the exact moment that it says it's going down. Why? Because it's the manifestation of God's creative order. Everything in creation screams creator. But not only does it scream creator, it screams creator that has order and is a God of order. Now we go back to train up a child in the way they should go when they're will not apart from it. you know what that next verse says? When you spare the rod, what does it say? You contribute to their death. Oh, well, I mean, you know, maybe one day they won't listen because I didn't discipline them and they'll go out and get, get in a wreck and die. Well, yeah, that would, that would be okay if that was it. Nobody wants that. But if that was the only implication... That'd be a bad one, but if you're going to get spiritually spanked for something, how about it just be that? Well, what about the other one? Implication. We only have one death, don't we? We don't, no, we have two. Right? You have your physical death, but what is the other danger of what? Spiritual death. Physical death's a joke. That only happens one time and it's over. The problem with eternal spiritual death is it does not stop. And see? It won't matter anymore what you and I thought we'd get in God's presence. It won't matter if you Brother Jonathan, I just think you're a little too serious about the Bible, so that's fine. I'd rather go and God say, good night. You helped me as a really hardcore taskmaster. You want to find out the other way, though? You want to find out the other way when you walk in God's presence and imagine? How dare you? By the way, look what you've done to your children now. Irreversible, irreparable harm because you thought that he was too serious about my holiness. When yet the scripture screams, be holy because what? Thank you. Again, we'll use God's word. It plays out every time. See, it's a lot more serious than we think. It's not a joke. And number two, you ready? If you're not willing to pay the ultimate price, Is it really real to you? In verse 37, what does it say again? One who loves the father and mother more than 38, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What is tonight the gift of salvation? What does the call of a disciple mean to you tonight? What is the price you're willing to pay tonight? What does it mean to you? Well, I mean, it's fine. Hey, as long as I don't have to go on the mission field, Lord, and as long as you keep hitting about, you know... um, Five and a half figures, Lord, six figures, you know. Hey, we're good. I, I'm in, Lord. As long as, you know, I can show up for church and don't have to go to Sunday school and really do that serious service, like helping at BBS and the nursery. Um, really? By the way, that's not even serious. That's just, to me, that would just be compulsory service. You just do because why? God's blessed us with the body of Christ and the ability to have a body that we even can serve in. Amen? We have people to minister to tonight as a result of God's blessing. What a great ability. Because you know what's behind that that wall right there? That's the future of this ministry. I'm just not a kid person. You don't have to be. God didn't say you had to be. The only thing you have to do is have the perspective of love in the proper order. And you will have everything you need to go in there and hit a home run. Why? Because you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And when you walk in there, you're going to recognize that you're seeing the face of God's creation. You're going to recognize exactly when Jesus said, Suffer little children to come unto me, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. You can say that in your mind as you walk in there, realizing that is the kingdom. Praise God. Amen? Well, I want to be part of the new visitor's ministry. Why don't you get in there? That one's ten times more important than worrying about somebody who could be here, how about the ones that are here? Great ministries, great thoughts, but listen, if you're not willing to pay the ultimate price, is it real to you in the first place? If you're not willing to give of your everything and take up your cross, all for your life as a living sacrifice, that's what Scripture says, is it really real? Because if it's that real, but yet you're not willing to, You have differentiated that there is a line with which you're willing to serve God, but you won't go past that. And you got bigger issues then. Isn't an easy message, church. I've already had uh, the benediction, ready to roll home. But this is serious. This is real. This gets to the heart of the matter. This is the heart of the matter. This gets to where the rubber meets the road. This gets to where, even at my age, you start to go, you know, I've had... 15 back surgeries, you know, and, and uh, hey, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old, and, you know, the doctors said all those years ago that I shouldn't do this and that and this and the stress level and things, and I should kind of, why, why don't I just set myself out to sail and kind of fill in here? Let's get a young buck in here, somebody who's on fire, who can run and go and do and, and, and run back and forth east and west and north and south, and let's get that in here, and it'll be hope, right? That sounds good. That's not what God wants me to do. But I can justify it just like you can justify your sin too. But are we going to justify our sin? Or are we going to get busy doing what God's called us to do when? Now. And that's to be a vibrant part of the kingdom. What does it look like? Is it comfortable? No. Does it mean potentially taking in and fostering an orphan? or potentially adopting it when you're way past their prime like us? Yes, because that's what obedience is. It never asked me what my thoughts were on it. God never came to me and said, hey, what do you think about this? He never once did. You know what he did? He smacked me in the mouth with Matthew chapter 25, and there's nothing I can say when God smacks you in the mouth with truth that is uncontestable because ultimately it boils down to what's going to happen one day when the sheep are separated from the goats. And you know what he'll say? I was hungry. Gave me something to eat. Thirsty, gave me something to drink. Naked, clothed me. Sick and in prison. And then he'll turn to the goats. I was hungry. Gave me nothing to eat. Thirsty, gave me nothing to drink. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sickened in prison. You didn't visit me. They will say, when, Lord? And he'll say, whatever you did to the least of these, you did not do unto me. Whatever you did not do to the least of these, you did not do unto me. They will go away into everlasting fire but the righteous to eternal life. By the way, when the sheep were meeting those needs, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat, thirsty, you gave me something. They said, when, Lord? When were you hungry? When? Whatever you did do to the least of these, you did unto me. So by what we do, we manifest our love for the Lord, and that starts when the structure's in the proper order, and he's number one, because when he's number one, you can't help but do Matthew 25. But when it's skewed, you do everything but the truth, or you do it like church at Ephesus. You're doing it just because you're supposed to do it, but you've lost the love. What? Your first love. What's the first love again? Flip into the structure again. When God's not the compelling force with which you do those acts, those acts are in vain. They're completely worthless. But when God is the driving force of it, and you do it out of obedience, That is where a true life of a follower of Jesus Christ as referenced once again in Matthew chapter 7 is demonstrated. And tonight, I pray, is the litmus test, the the test with which you score, looking at the fruit in your life. God, I want to see tonight, I need to score my bush, Lord, my tree. Okay, God, I want to step back and do what Paul says, examine yourselves to see that you're in the faith. God, what is the fruit in my life demonstrating? Okay, all right, the love and joy and peace, okay, what is that rooted from? Is it rooted from because somebody told me, no, I love you, Lord, you know that. I'm so passionate about you. And the fruit in my life, I'm, I'm consistently and continually examining myself. Hmm, wonder why you do that. That wouldn't be no fun, would it? Well, Scripture also says, "What work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You should step back and go, God, I know Paul was even concerned about shipwrecking theologically. Paul, by the way, can anybody even, are you not astounded that Paul would have said that I myself might not be disqualified? That's not nerve-wracking, isn't it? But what does that mean? That means that anybody can be theologically shipwrecked and we all need to be desperate for Christ, need to be very honest with ourselves when we do a theological introspective inside look at ourselves that we're not deceiving ourselves and that the truth is not in us. Because we're very good at deception, aren't we? Who are we best at deceiving? Ourselves, amen? <laughs> we are. So therefore, that's why it's so important and indicative of a follower of Christ that is walking in the nurture and the admonition of the Holy Spirit, that they step back and do what Scripture compels us and calls us to continually. Continually. And that's the beautiful thing. Now, Brother, Brother Jonathan, now it sounds like I'm going to sit around all the time questioning. No, you're not sitting around questioning your faith. You're making sure that deception has not taken in any way thoughts, actions, words, or root. Because it's so easy to do. It's very easy to do. And if you're not willing to give God everything, I revert back to right there. Verse 38, you're not willing to take up your cross and follow Christ, what are you doing? You need to go back to, what is it? Step number one. Am I a sinner in need of a Savior? Because if you've not taken up your cross and willing to lay down your life for the kingdom, then I don't know why you're here. Because that's what the call of a disciple is. And then verse 39, and we're done. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. Third and final thing tonight, I've shared this before. Losers, keepers, finders, weepers. Pastor shared that many years ago, and I love that statement. Losers, keepers, finders, weepers. See, we know the other one, right? See, losers, keepers, when you lose your life for the kingdom's sake, and you lose it, you're a keeper. You have gotten the most important thing you could ever get. What is that? The gift of salvation in losing your life for kingdom's sake. Uh, uh, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What is that? That speaks to the whole picture of death to self and being raised in Christ. The pearl of great price, another good picture of that. You sold, you've given up everything. you sold everything you had. you gave away everything to get that piece of land, to get the pearl of great price. You have forsaken all, and you have found that gift that is without. There is no value that could be put on that pearl of great price, but finders, weepers. Well, if you don't lose your life, what do you do? You find it. What is that? That serving self, that's living for self. That's self-glory that is everything to do with everything that is not the kingdom. It's making excuses for your sin, never owning up to it. Hey, man, this is my world, and I'm just passing through. And God is so sitting back, waiting to bless me with health and wealth and money and fame and fortune. And why do I? How do I make my decisions, man? I make them on emotion. Why in the world would you want to use logic? Like a three year old at a casino. What is that? Insanity. Because you're going to be broke, and they don't even have a clue if they hit the jackpot what to do. They'd look at it and throw the stuff all over the ground and walk away. Let's see this world has nothing until you lose your life for the sake of the Creator. The architect, the God that designed us intricately, that loves us, that has an amazing plan tonight for us. No matter what, we might think of where God has us. We may not like what God's doing. You know what? That's okay. We don't have to like what God's doing. You know what? You might not even be in the, for- you might be in a, you might disdain authority. You might've grown up in a- and, and disdain it. You know, that's okay. You can disdain it. As long as you do what God's word says, you and your mind can work it out with God and say, God, I just don't like the structure you have and I want to stay up until nine in the morning and go to sleep and sleep all day and I want to rebel like a three-year-old. That's okay, you just tell God, deal with it, with him. You know what I'd pray, this is what I'd tell you to do. God, you know my battle with authority, Lord. And i know that when i and i have that defiant personality that just wants to defy everything and everybody i know lord that's like a three-year-old kid if i'm going to be honest with myself and lord i need you to break that because i know that is inconsistent with who you are and inconsistent with everything that you've called me to be as a follower of jesus christ and lord i do not want my life to detract from the ability for you to use me for your glory so god I need you to break me and make me your own in every sense of the word because I'll destroy everything and every one that I come within 10 feet of if I continue to try to make everything in my life what I don't like. Or just because I don't like the things in life and I don't like this and I don't like that, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you want, God. And if not, that same thinking is when you go over somebody's house and you have some bacon jerky in your pocket and they have an issue with pork and you just go like a three-year-old, I'm gonna eat it, I need it, doesn't matter, me. You know, that's, you just broke God's word, you know that? But that's that defiant personality and characteristic of people who wanna be a three-year-old in an adult's body and you train your children to defy everything. Now, watch the police videos I'm talking about that I'm just referring to in this whole time tonight why they pull them over, they don't want, I don't have to answer questions. I don't have to, next thing you know, what's happening? somebody gets shot. Somebody ends up getting, why? Because the next thing you know, they didn't have a license or this and that and they're the sovereign citizen and blah, blah, blah and the next thing you know, they're fighting over it and then the next thing you know, somebody's pulled out a gun and somebody's dead. Do you realize that if you get pulled over on the side of the road and you pull your license out and do what you're supposed to, if you're speeding, take your ticket, do you realize the highest, vast majority of those never turn into something bad? But when we have authority issues, the same way that it turns out when we defy earthly authority, what do you think's gonna happen when you walk into God's presence and tell the God of creation how things gonna be? It's gonna end a bunch worse, isn't it? That's why it's so important, church, to realize, I didn't set this structure up. I didn't. God did. God, set established, God established authority. And therefore, it's God's to do what God wants to do when God wants to. And this same thing with me, the title of the night's message. You love them how much? You don't have to listen to what I'm saying tonight. You can say, I love my wife, I love my husband, and I don't care what he says. I love them more than God, and I, I don't, I'm mad matter no hornet about it. And you can do that. You have all the authority. I'm not your dad, and I have no authority to make you do what will bring a blessing from God to you. You can throw out my admonishment, my encouragement on raising children. You can, uh, hey, you can throw my, my encouragement on having your children talk respectfully to people. You don't have to do that for anybody. I assure you right now I say this, I promise you'll regret it. And I mean that. You'll regret it. Because you will not raise children who will impact the world with anything other than showing a greater picture of what's happened, the world's impact the church instead of the church impacting the world. Tonight, what's in the structure in your life and heart? What's where? Do your little self a chart mentally. Am I loving the way God's created and called me to and is equipping me to if I yield myself to His plan? Or am I pretty much a rebel and I've been telling God how it's gonna be. I'll serve God when I want to. I'll do what I want to do with God and God's gonna like what I give him. I'd encourage you tonight to do a checkup from the neck up and do a spiritual inventory and think really about the mindset. Even if you've just now recognized that that's what you're doing, I would encourage you tonight to step back and recognize the beauty of 1 John 1.9. We confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because God didn't save us to have some half-witted, broken-down salvation that we live like ourselves. God is conforming us into His likeness. It's this process we know—salvation, sanctification—that will culminate one day. And the thing we know is glorification. And that's when we breathe our last breath. One day when we stand in His presence, that's the process called glorification. That, by the way, is when we're finished. It won't happen before then. We're not going to get a a graduation trophy before we go beautiful. Like when we hit 65, sometimes we'll think, you know, we finished ministry. I I get my my, uh, retirement prize spiritually, you know, and I'm I'm ready to go to heaven. No. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter if you live to be 140 years old. You'll never get the glorification award until you stand in the Lord's presence. Amen. So we're all gonna be on the same level right now, some more growth than others. Doesn't matter if you're a slow grower, that's okay. As long as your heart and desire is to grow and conform into God's likeness and to honor, glorify, and serve him, that's what matters. Because this is what's beautiful. God does know your heart. God doesn't, and that's a scary thing sometimes for people. Because we can convince people that everything's great, but in all reality tonight, what things have been triggered in your mind? If things are triggered in your mind, I'd encourage you tonight to get in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because again, it's not what I say. It's thus saith the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart and today you would like to make him not only the savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know we are sinners, we're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. And today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior, It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.